0: There's just enough chill in the air, some dust, and some diesel exhaust, but I love it because it means it's harvest time. The bins are all cleaned out, or at least they should be. The service techs are all highly caffeinated, and it's time to get to it. And we're coming along for the ride. Welcome to the Harvest Trail Podcast, where we're gonna meet up with the heroes of the harvest and tell their stories, in hopes that when we're done, we're all a little smarter. And now to the show. All right, welcome to the Harvest Trail podcast. We have a fantastic guest here today, my longtime friend and one of the most impactful people on the Gleaner Combine, Bob Honus. Bob, welcome to the program. Oh, hello, Jeff. You know, you and I go back a long way. I was thinking right before the show of the first time we met, and I want to say it was 2009 and I was coming out to visit you with the prototype of the Dynaflex Draper. However that wasn't the only prototype you were running at the time though I didn't know it what else were you doing?
1: Oh that was been the very first s series what wasn't that down in Oklahoma
0: I think it was yeah and a very uh, a very early version of the S series we didn't even know yeah, it was going to be was. called the S series at that point.
1: No, it was uh, it was uh an R76 with the uh, new processor in it.
0: Yeah. And and the only thing that really gave it away was that uh was the the doghouse on the back was was slightly different. And yeah, uh, otherwise correct. if you spotted it from a distance or even up close and you didn't know what to look for, you wouldn't know you were looking at an S series combine. That's right. Well, and your time goes back a lot earlier than that you had started as a custom harvester, but quickly had gone over to work for then Alice Chalmers. What did you do when you first got into Alice Chalmers?
1: Well, actually, uh, when I, was, I didn't actually work for Alice Chalmers, but I was running some prototypes for them when I was on the harvest crew. So that's how I got my start. And then... Uh, when Deutsch Alice, I ended up. I started driving truck for the shows and and uh, delivering combines and demoing combines and stuff like that until I went into engineering.
0: Now you did a lot of different projects for engineering headers combines and and I want I would say that one that you are very much known for and respected across the the industry. And the organizations is the S series combine that was a uh, that was a bit of a moonshot and uh, not always a certain thing, but uh, but you stuck with it along with a wonderful team, huh?
1: Oh yeah, it was a great team effort, and, and uh, there was challenges along the way but uh, we were able to fight through it.
0: Yeah, and you you spent even after launching it, uh, you spent many many years. Improving designs and and updates. You've got more than a handful of patents on that machine, and uh, and and watched it through its evolution for a very long time.
1: Oh yeah, it was just uh, once uh, it went into production. There was uh, continuous improvement programs and changes along the way, reliability improvements mainly, but there was also performance. Uh, games and then obviously, you know, the with the engine programs, you know, you know, that's mandated by the government. So that was a big project to do Tier Four I and then Tier Four final. And that took a big effort to get all that done.
0: You've harvested a tremendous array of crops across a lot of different geographies and I wanted to to ask you about a few, because as we've we've had the show this year We've had people talk about different scenarios that are either new to them or crops have changed and struggles. And just get your your reflection on that, if that's okay. And one thing that we've heard a, a lot through the series this year is people dealing with high-moisture corn that don't always harvest high-moisture corn. A little bit of a new crop to them. What is the trick in a, uh, in a modern glean, gleaner combine? Or what's the best things to be doing? to make sure that you do a good job in high-moisture corn?
1: Well, my experience in the high-moisture corn is, you know, uh, to get the capacity that people are looking for is you want to, uh, I found removing the sieve was your best case. So that what that does for you, that allows more airflow up through. You're not trying to get the air to go through two layers of corn, and uh, it just creates more flow, and then you just clean, get the bin sample the way you want it with the chaffer. And it's also important to run a, a round-tip corn chaffer to get the extra capacity you need.
0: Now, similar to that, we, we know that, the, that soybean, soybeans, genetically, we're trying to get them to hold their stems greener for longer to support the plant. But those green stems can become a, a, a heck of an impedance in the threshing process. What are the what are the tricks of the trade to bring in these these green stem gnarly beans?
1: Oh man, that takes. Uh, I mean, the, the varieties and whatnot change, and they harvest them earlier, and they use a fungicide and whatnot. And so it's a challenge at times, you know. But uh, the best thing to do is probably uh, what. Run the gearbox in low gear to get the torque to the rotor, and uh, you know, make sure your headers feeding well. That you know the Draper heads have made a big difference. Yeah, yeah, on that, and and you know, and the thing is, to cut cut your uh, crop at an angle to the way it's drilled or planted, and that helps feeding tremendously. You know, because it. Uh, you know, your sickle that way, it's not continually, it's on a row, so it's you know, it gives the sickle more capacity and it carrying off the skid plates and whatnot, and so it it doesn't hesitate and to where you get a much better feed and that makes it smoother going through the machine.
0: You know, we hear uh, people complain about some crops more than others, and uh Milo has done a wonderful job of being able to provide a good feed product, particularly in low moisture environments, but not the easiest thing to to harvest and certainly not the most consistent across the field. You got any tips for the farmers out there who are harvesting Milo?
1: Well, Milo is one of them crops. You have early season Milo, then you have late season Milo, which late season Milo. Obviously, is easier to harvest, but earlier season when you have all the green leaves and you know you're you're taking in a lot of the green leaves, it just takes a lot of patience, you know, because you have lots of power uh, on the machine for you know other crops, and in that particular crop, you're battling. You're not really battling power. You're battling, you know, to, work, to keep your losses in check. Because them green leaves have tendency to, you know, carry the the grain with it going out the machine. So you have to give it time to separate and tear that up. And that's the biggest thing. And then later on, you know, as the season goes along, you'll be able to increase speed as you go.
0: Out of the many uh, crops, cropping environments you've been in, through the uh, decades, what what was the most challenging for you? What was the most interesting thing to to find a, a winning solution for?
1: Uh, probably those uh, green stem beans. You know, that get real tall and they get uh, ropey and tangled up, and and they take a lot of power. So it's just uh, a challenge to get them through the machine. Early in the year, and then as time goes on, just like the Milo, it becomes easier as the
0: season goes on. You've probably seen more combines in more situations than 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 anybody who's going to be hearing this. Um, service people in in season service while uh, while people are during harvest and they have a, a hopefully a little bit of downtime that they can uh, look over the combine. What are the what are they typically missing? What what needs to be looked at that isn't always so obvious to keep the combine running good through season?
1: Oh my, there's oh
0: <laughs> lots of things.
1: <laughs> yeah. ah, <laughs> uh, just your belts and uh, you know keep the, you you make sure your fluids are good. I mean, I. Uh, cylinder bars are in good shape, uh, you know, uh, there's so much, it depends on the hours that you have on the machine, and um, so, there's so many variables on that, but that's it's really hard to say, just, the dealers are, are pretty good about checking them over, yeah. and the guys that run gleaners are pretty well schooled on how to take care of them, so... I really
0: don't have anything offhand that helped out on that. Year to year, when when guys are watching their combines over a couple of years, you know, one thing I've heard brought up before is watch your helicals because um, you know helicals that are worn down, y- you end up you end up losing a lot of your efficiency in the machine if you don't keep a good eye on those and let those wear. And it's not something that always comes to mind for people. Are there other things year to year that that farmers a relatively small investment could really pay off for them in terms of performance. What, what what other things are in there like that?
1: Well, you know, most of the changes to the, like the current machine to the older ones, a lot of those changes are retrofittable. And so you can do that, or, you know, instead of buying new, you can, there's a lot of things. One thing on maintenance, I mean, if you're doing a lot of corn, uh, one thing critical is the, how you the grease the swivel on the unloader because you're swinging it so much during the day, and a lot of people are running these extensions, which are nice. You know, that thing needs to be greased uh, weekly each zerk as you're swinging it in and out. You know, it takes a couple people to do it, and that helps the longevity of that unloader system. <laughs> uh
0: uh, but. You know, I'm glad you brought up the retrofittable things, because there are so many different items. Now, I remember you and I working closer together on this of, of different items that would get added to the machine that could make a big, you know, one. I remember one in particular that you, I, you maybe you came up with it, too. But I remember you advocating heavily for it was the um, concave side sweep. Now, that fits on how far can that go back?
1: Oh, that can go back. Um, I mean, there's uh, aftermarket parts available for. You could go back to an R series on a CDF rotor, as far as that goes. But all the S's, you know, you could use it on all the S's. So,
0: and could you explain for people on- listening what that does? Because that's a that I remember. I remember you talking about that. About that. The need to to move stuff beyond the concave area. How does that how does that work? Because it's a very cost efficient little addition that can make a big difference.
1: Well, what it does is that it, it just assists the cylinder bars and the helical bars. It gives it some assist, keep the mat uh, moving in a uniform pattern, transferring it over to the separator gate. So you don't get uh, grain, uh, if you have slippage there, you'll always have some, obviously, but so the grain doesn't come around and get onto the inside of the mat coming in from the feed chain. And so that, that was a big difference, and it, and it helps on your feed chain capacity because you're clearing that area quicker.
0: Now that came out around the same time as the corn ring. Explain to me what the cor- the advantage that the corn ring gives to uh, farmers who have that installed.
1: Well, that was to prevent material from entering the chopper above the center line, because obviously uh, if you the crop enters above the center line, it's trying to reject it, and then it has a hard time pulling it through. So it's just sort of a dam in it there to make it, making uh, another turn into the discharge housing or discharge cage.
0: Yeah, chopper. And,
1: you know, that helps on your loss
0: also. Yeah, yeah. And and that chopper, I, I remember that chopper was a serious discussion over years. Um, how far back can some of these designs for these new choppers go back in uh, previous designed machines?
1: oh you can you can take that chopper back to the to the r series that it goes it can go back a long ways with Invin- I, you know I don't know about you would you wouldn't get the new drive on it but you would get the chop like the the twenty four knife chopper could be put in clear back even a even a seven two as far as that goes wow
0: yeah. The, um, you know, we, we, we look over the different updates that farmers are making, to the, that they can make to these machines. And now in light of these inventory restrictions, there's just less new machines out there. Farmers are having to look at their current machines. And they want to take them to the next level. Um, what would you, I mean, we've talked about a few of these elements, but uh, but if it was you, if you were back out on the custom harvest trail... What would you uh, What would you upgrade if you had a maybe an R six or a, or an early S series? What would be the top things on on your mind?
1: Oh, uh, well, I would just look at the model year changes that are you know have happened over the years, and then evaluate whether I would want to add that to a previous machine, you know. Without having a list in front of me, I hear that would be off the top of my head that that would be difficult to say but but you know there's a you know like that list you and I put together I don't you know you could look at that and you could say well i w- I would like to have these braces. I've had some problems with my lower, so I want to add these braces
0: in the band you yeah. know for for example, you know yeah. I, I, it's
1: simple to do, or you say, I'd I'd like to have that quieter drive for my loader. I'm gonna add the the cog belt, you know.
0: When well, Gleaner absolutely has that advantage of uh so much of the machine being upgradable across the series that come out, there's there's still a lot of shared content and that, that gives tremendous options to uh to owners of any any age machine, that they can find solutions that work for them.
1: Oh yeah, correct. And you know, the, there's still a tremendous amount of growth left in the in the platform, and so you know, I'm looking forward to what the company does in the future because I, I just think that there's a lot of potential there.
0: Yeah the the results are are indisputable and uh, we've seen some pretty amazing things come out of those Gleaner Combines. You know, you know Bob, across all you know, the different... It,
1: Go ahead. It's like, you know, in the past, you know, I always talk to people, you know, and, you know, they always have the pinch point, you know, and you address that, and the are the you and you basically work in that area, and then you, you end up improving the machine, and you chase it to another area. And so you keep keep developing that way you over time you increase the performance of the machine
0: well and i i remember watching this and participating with you in this very well during the introduction and refinement of the s series is that you know you, you brought in this new processor new fan and then the realization was the amount the grain volume coming through the machine was so big that's when you had to uh you had to design what has what affectionately been called the hog trough, right?
1: Well, sure, you know, we found that the you know the sump wasn't deep enough, so, you know, you couldn't get enough grain through the hole to the elevator. And so by increasing and making that oval, the auger basically going into the elevator can ran, run at 100% instead of, say, 70%.
0: Well, and it wasn't so long after that that the perforated oh, cascade, the cascade pa- pan yeah pan yeah pour. exactly well and what was the thinking behind the perforated cascade perforated cascade pan because I, I i maybe that was another higher moisture question of grain piling how did how did you discover that and and how did the remedy come about
1: well, just looking for more uh shoot capacity and high moisture corn mainly that was the main purpose of it and you know, and it turned out to where it was effective in quite a few other crops also, but it was mainly at the very beginning. It was mainly to get more capacity in the high moisture corn, and and at the end of the day, I can't remember what the actual percent was. Ten to fifteen percent is what we ended up getting on that. So, and then when you take the sieve out, you get another gain on the high moisture corn, you know, the thing is, is a, you know, some guys don't like to do that because they're going back and forth to beans. So, yeah, and, and so, but once you're done with your beans, it's, you know, even in the dry corn, you get much more capacity without the sieve. And one thing to remember when you are doing corn, you know, you just have, Talk to a lot of guys and they say, oh, you can just open the sieve all the way up, straight up and down. And, and in reality, that doesn't really work because it actually cuts your capacity because you're not conveying and your airflow is not directed correctly. So it's better off, to run like uh, your sieve, if you are going to leave the sieve in for corn, leave it at, you know, don't get wider than half an inch, you know, three-eighths. Is seven sixteenths is plenty wide, and that way it conveys correctly, and you get the correct direction of the air going up through the chaffer.
0: Well, and 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 I would assume that you know all types of crops have these different these different setups. I remember I can't remember if you. I'm pretty sure we were on a trip together when we looked at people harvesting grass seed and these very light conditions. And if I recall correctly, they turned the cleaning fan off. Does that sound accurate?
1: Uh, no, we, we didn't turn it off. We we used a uh, light feed kit to reduce the amount of air. And then we had the choke turn way down. But you got to remember that was uh, bluegrass, which was about 14 pounds a bushel. Yeah. So, so that's... That's an unusual condition, and you know the pro- in the light seed kits. When you do put that in, you really uh, it needs to be removed after that crop because yeah. it's not something that can stay in the machine because it uh, it creates turbulence in your uh, air ducts. So to get your good volume of air for your your main crops, you don't want it in there at all. Even though it, you can open it and close it, it just uh, has a restriction to it for your uh, main crops.
0: Now, now, tell me this, Bob. You know, we we talk about the tremendous versatility built into the machine itself, but people do, from time to time, decide to change out their concaves. Um, when is when is that moment, and what is the advantage to, to change to different configurated con, uh, concaves?
1: Well, I'm not really aware of any. I mean, from a company's angle, I, I mean, they have uh, they have two concaves, but they're the standard, and then they have one that's called a small grain uh, concave. But in my opinion, your the standard concave is what you want in everything because uh, the what I. Down in the wheat concave, you had to run filler plates anyway. So really, what's the point of...
0: Kind of negates that effect anyway.
1: Yeah. So the thought process back in the day was that uh, you wouldn't need the filler plates, you know, with that particular concave. But it didn't turn out that way.
0: The, I'm, my guess is that the filler plates, because I remember the situation that we had. It was a particularly strange year in wheat where we weren't able to knock out the white caps. and, yeah, that, and so that, 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 that is correct so there was a, there you was know, a I mean, solution for concaves
1: it, you, have, you have to hold it longer all over the concave to rub it harder and not let it go through you know to negate those whitecaps
0: but then I think the solution ended up being even more so just putting the filler plates in there and relying on more crop on crop threshing
1: Correct, and then there's cases where you can run the narrower uh, thrashing bars, half inch space instead of the three quarter, but you know that's you know it's a lot of money and uh, the changeover, and and it's not necessary in very many conditions, and then it's a negative for your corn and soybeans, so it's always a trade off, you know, combining is just one of those situations where there's always a compromise to what you're doing and and the different crops. Um, you know, you just have to make that uh, decision for yourself, you know, what, what you want. But a gleaner, for me anyway, I always thought it was cool that you didn't have to change concave for, for most of the crops or basically all the crops. You can sort of set your machine to you
0: know, to the basically stock configuration. So as you're, as you're watching the uh, farming world evolve somewhat, and you've been involved for a lot of decades, um, what do you, what do you think the future holds? What do you think the future holds for harvesting, custom harvesting, uh, design of combines, style of farms? You got any uh, predictions worth sharing? Uh Oh,
1: my, I don't, it's hard to say. It's changed so much over the last 40 years that uh, it's hard to say. But I I sort of am leaning toward that, you know, that uh, not, I'm not going to go to these corporate farms like people think. I think they're still going to. Be a mainstream where the family farm will hang in there. I just think that they're going to grow, and where they're still they're not they're still going to need multiple machines, but they're not going to need these giant combines. But yeah.
0: it's hard to say. Well, there's something to be said for um, if you have a combine go down that you're not 100 percent down if you have multiple machines, or you know you we, we were just talking about. You could do an optimum setup for wheat, but I wonder how many people in wheat country are in an optimum setup for wheat, and then they're going over and cutting milo, and have they made the kinds of settings and setups for a crop as challenging as milo, and for some farmers, if they have two combines, and and if they happen to be in a situation where they're having to cut two crops at a time, they uh, they could be set up perfectly. And, um, no, I, I, I think you're right. It all comes down to the labor, right? Making sure that, uh, you got a combine driver that's, that's worth their, uh, spot in the seat.
1: Well, I don't, I don't know, like in that situation where we, wheat, we, the different cycle than Milo. So true. you typically don't have that problem. It's your corn soybean guys that have the biggest issue because they're switching back and forth and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I you know
1: I I, I see uh, I see it. Uh, there's there's a new generation out there that I think is wanting the farm. So I think that I think we're going to continue with these farms that are, aren't so big, but time will tell.
0: Well, I tend to agree with you. Very good uh, insight and very good optimism, Bob Honus, Agco Chairman's Award winner. Do you sign that in your email? That by the way.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. That's a that was a quite an award, and I was pretty proud of it.
0: Well, very, very well earned. Retired from Adco Corporation after many years in the engineering department. And Bob, I just wanted to say thank you. Your insights are tremendous, and your experience is legendary. You very much bless us by being on the show today. Thank you.
1: Well, thanks, Jeff. Enjoyed it.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's show. I know I did. I also hope you'll keep tuning in for more insight, discussion, maybe a few laughs. And if you'd like to join us on the program and tell us about your harvest, just send us a message by connecting with us on social media. The Harvest Trail Podcast is a production of Agricultural Dealers United and brought to you by some of the best dealers in the business. You can find previous episodes on your favorite podcast platform or at theharvesttrailpodcast.com. The show's produced by Rich Williams, and I'm your host, Jeff Michaels. Until next time, may your bends overflow and the fuel bills stay reasonable. May the bean dust stay on the outside of the cab and the stalks stay out of the tires. And may someone else have to blow out the radiator. Have a great, safe, enjoyable, and bountiful harvest from all of your friends right here at the Harvest Trail Podcast.